Good morning, everybody. We're so glad that you're here. We're glad that you could be a part of this worship service today, whether you're in the room or on the internet. We're just glad you're here. And we're also glad we could have a special guest this morning. Ms. Becky Buller's here this morning, so we're excited about that. Fresh off her debut on the Grand Old Opry. Woohoo! Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, that's pretty neat, huh? But uh, even more than that, you know, the person that we're most excited about being here today is that the person of Jesus Christ. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we're most excited that he has told us that he would gather here with us today. So let's stand and let's sing to that king, shall we? the king who is coming to reign. Glory to Jesus, the Lamb that was slain. Life and salvation his empire shall bring. Joy to the nations when Jesus is king. Declaring we belong 
be seated. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here to worship with us this morning. And if you're a guest with us, we are honored that you are here and that you have come to worship with us. One thing we would ask you to do is if you could fill out that guest registration card that's located there in the P-Rack, that'd be a good help for us to connect with you. Uh, there's a spot if you want to receive our weekly newsletter, or if you have a prayer request, we'd love to pray for you. After our service, if you'll just walk that over to the Welcome Center, uh, you can give that to somebody, and then we have a small gift, just as a sign of gratitude, that we were so glad that you came and were a part of our service. As we continue to worship, uh, we may have a video, may not, for Operation Christmas Child, so I'm going to pray, and then we'll kind of see what happens. Okay, we do? All right, let, let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that we can gather here together, and Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to worship you. And Lord, as we uh, conclude this series on forgiveness, Father, I pray that this will be a blessing to us, and God, as being reminded of the gospel, uh, we will leave this place being a more accurate reflection of who you are. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen.
a few years ago, actually, I guess it's been 10 or maybe longer now, I, went, I had the opportunity to go on a mission trip to northern Wales. And, uh, and I, I remember uh, that in the countryside, it, when it, the, the countryside is so lush and green out there in the, in the country. Uh, and, and it was just, it blew my mind. And, and I've, I've never forgotten that image uh, of that. And so this song, this, this morning we're doing this song that has this kind of Celtic kind of feel to it. And so uh, as I wanted, I said, Becky, can you just, just play something before we start, you know, and go into that? I said, so, so I said, just imagine this, you know, Celtic green countryside, rolling hills, and just play whatever comes to your mind. And so, uh, so uh, she, of course, she played something beautiful. But anyway, so I want you just to kind of put yourself there. We're gonna we're gonna worship with the with the Welsh today. All right, let's worship with the the, the Irish and Scottish and the Welsh and all those folks over there. So here we go. This is called Garments of Praise. Put on the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Let the oil of gladness flow down from your throne. Put on the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Your joy is my strength alone, my strength alone. Will you stand and let's sing it together? Here we go. Put on the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Let the oil of gladness flow down from your throne. Put on Strength alone. It is broken, weary bones. Rise down again. With this dry and thirsty land, with the river. Try and thirsty land, 
Let's continue to worship. We believe for it, Lord. You say that you got mountains that can't be moved. Believe he can do it. You say there's chains that'll never break. Believe for it. He can do it. They say this mountain can't be moved. They say these chains will never break. But they don't know you like we do. There is power in your name. We've heard that there is no way We've heard the tide will never change. They haven't seen what you can do. There is power in your name. So much power in your name. Move the unmovable, break the unbreakable. come before you this morning just believing for it. Lord, you've said that you will rescue us. We just call out to you. and You will be our rescue. You'll be our shield. You'll be our savior. And so, Lord, we call out to you today to, to take down the mountains in front of us, to break the chains that bind us. We turn it all over to you, and we believe for it. We believe that you're going to take care of those things. And something else we believe this morning, we believe you when you said we're two or more gathered in you, your name, you will be there. And so we believe for that too. And we believe that you want, to, you want to do something in our lives today that changes us from the people that we are to the people that you want us to be. Help us to be our, the version of us that you, that you intended. So, Lord, to that end, Lord, I pray that you'll open our hearts and our ears and our minds to hear from your Holy Spirit today. As you speak through Tim, I pray you'll bless him and, and open his mouth up to the, from 
to be the very voice of heaven speaking to your children, speaking to your people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. Today we will wrap up our three-week series on forgiveness. Um, we started in week one looking at uh, the forgiveness that we receive from God. I told you that the, the heart of the gospel message is the forgiveness of sins. And last week we looked at uh, the forgiveness that we can offer ourselves by the very work that God has done for us, and then by living in and through our faith in Jesus Christ and His work on the cross. So this morning I want us to consider then um, how we're called to forgive others of the sins that that they've committed against us, the way others have, have hurt us. And so last week I told you that you couldn't truly forgive yourself until you fully understood God's forgiveness to you. And today I want to I, I tell you that um, I want you to understand that because you have experienced God's forgiveness in your life, that enables you to extend forgiveness to other people. And so uh, the first thing that I want us to see this morning is, is this, that forgiven people Forgive people according to the words of Jesus. Forgiven people forgive people according to the words of Jesus. Uh, turn with me, if you will, to the book of Matthew. And Jesus is teaching his disciples um, about forgiveness and teaching them that the people who have received mercy and forgiveness from God um, are those then that extend forgiveness to other people. And so we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, just to, to set the stage um, for the parable that's to come. So in verse 21, then Peter came up and said to him, to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. You see, Jesus uses Peter's question here in verse 21 as, as a teachable moment, right? Peter comes and, and asks, um, how many times are we supposed to forgive people who have sinned against us? And he thinks in this moment that he's being overly generous by offering to forgive somebody seven times. You see, at the time, Jewish law required that you forgive somebody uh, three times. Uh, but we're going to learn that... Jesus, uh, he's teaching his disciples that he turns things upside down from the law that they have spent their life learning and, and living by. And so Jesus responds that we're not to forgive seven times, but 77 times. And so the point that Jesus is trying to make to Peter in this moment is that, that we're supposed to forgive without limit. You see, Jesus, he isn't really suggesting that we keep a record or count the number of times that, that we forgive other people, but that we're supposed to show forgiveness to others. You see, he tells his disciples then a parable that follows to show them uh, what the kingdom of heaven is like. And you see, uh, this is a theme that's presented throughout the Gospel of Matthew. And so, the, the, this parable follows Peter's question. So follow with me in Matthew chapter 18 as we read this parable. Beginning in verse 23. Verse 23, it says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle one, was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children, and all that they had uh, be pay, um, and payment be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, 
you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him up to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So in this parable, we have a king who is settling accounts, these financial accounts with his servants, and he has a servant who owes him 10,000 talents. See, the servant couldn't pay the debt, and the king ordered him and his family and to be thrown into, into a debtor's slavery and, and all of their possessions sold, even though he knew this wouldn't put a dent in the amount that he owed. So the servant fell to his knees and, and begged for the chance to pay for it, and, and he asked for patience from the king. And in verse 27, it says that the king took pity on him and, for, and for completely forgave all of the debt. But then when the servant left, he went out and came across a, a fellow servant that owed him a hundred denarii. And he grabbed him, and it, and it describes him as beginning to choke him out. And he chokes him out, and, and he says to him, pay what you owe. And we see nearly this same pattern. This second service gets down and begins to, to beg uh, for the chance to, to repay him his debt, just like the first servant had done. He asked for uh, forgiveness of his debt, but he refused to grant forgiveness to his fellow servant. In fact, he had him thrown in prison, which was worse than a debtor's slavery because at this point he's in prison and he can't even work off the debt that he is owed. You see, for us to really fully understand this parable, we have to understand what was owed. See, the exact monetary value is, is hard to determine. It's hard to determine what that was because a talent in the Old Testament referred to a weight of gold or silver. Uh, in the New Testament, it refers to a sum of money, not a coin. See, so the word talent referred to the largest units of currency at the time. And so Jesus was picking an unfathomable number. An unfathomable number. The point is, is that this isn't an amount that could ever possibly be repaid, no matter how hard somebody might work. See, the first servant's debt, we need to understand it's insurmountable. It's, it's unimaginable, right? So the second servant, he only owed 100 denarii. And a denarius is the equivalent of a, a day laborer's one day's of work. So one day of work. So essentially, the, servant's, the second servant's debt would be something that would be the equivalent then of about a hundred days of work. But the first servant's debt of 10,000 talents is astronomical, right? Something that could never really be repaid. It's incomprehensible to them. So let's look at some big biblical figures to kind of have uh, an idea of what's being compared. One talent uh, we see is equal to 60 minas. We see this scripturally. Um, one mina is equal to 100 denarii. Um, so that if you do the math there, one talent is equivalent to 6,000 denarii. Um, so the first servant, he owed 10,000 talents. So do the math on 10,000 times the 6,000 days of work. That's the equivalent of 60 million days of work, right? So if you do the math on that, that's a, nearly 164,384 years if you work seven days a week. We get the picture that this is not a debt that could ever be repaid. The first servant uh, was just forgiven of this 10,000 talents, that 164,384 years. He was just forgiven of this insurmountable amount of debt. Um, that could be the equivalent today of billions of dollars, right? We're not really placing a monetary value on it, uh, but it would be like billions of dollars today. And he is, is unwilling to forgive the servant who, who owed him a hundred denarii, which might be like the equivalent of like $10,000 today. You see, Jesus in this parable is trying to make the point that one debt is payable and one debt is not. You see, however, the, the first unforgiving servant, um, he uh, didn't get away with this atrocity. The other servants that witnessed this went and told the king what he had done. And, and the king summoned the first uh, servant back to him. And he said this, uh, if we remember back in verse 32, he said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant 
as I had mercy on you. And the king delivered him up, it says, to the jailers uh, so that he could, he'd be put in prison until his debt could be paid, knowing it was a debt that could never be repaid. And the final verse then of this parable gives us uh, the picture. It shows us that an unwillingness to forgive others is this. It's an issue of the heart. You see, this is why he called him a wicked servant. Jesus is teaching the disciples uh, in this moment that, that we have a heart issue, right? That we have a heart problem. That if we can't forgive people who have sinned against us a very small debt, knowing that our Heavenly Father has shown us mercy and grace and forgiven us of a debt that we could never repay. You see, when we place our trust and our faith in Jesus as Savior, we receive forgiveness from God. And our heart is transformed by Jesus. And um, our lives are changed by the Holy Spirit, giving us the ability to show others the same mercy that God has shown us. See, scattered throughout the book of Matthew, Jesus uh, says the word, he uses the word heart 18 times in this, just this one gospel. See, he describes our heart as the center of who we are as the person. And um, it reveals the things that we think, the things that we say, our, our actions that come from our hearts revealed out in the, in the way that we live. So in the Sermon on the Mount, he says this, blessed are the pure in heart that they shall see God. Um, and being questioned by the Pharisees about the greatest commandment, he says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, right? with all of your soul, with all of your mind. And we're called to love God with our whole being. And then he says the second commandment is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see, our, our heart reflects our love for God. And our love for God then is shown to others. But Jesus, he also warns us numerous times in Matthew, and looking through his book, he warns us about our heart, that it can reflect evil, that our heart can reflect sin. Um, He says this, um, that that people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. He describes uh, to Peter, he says, the food that we eat didn't defile us, but he says, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from our heart, and this defiles a person. He says later, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts. From out of our heart comes murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. And it's out of that same heart that we have an unwillingness to forgive others who have sinned against us. You see, our heart is the source of joy. It's the source of our salvation that we have received from God. And our heart is the source of mercy and forgiveness toward other people. God has forgiven us a sin, a sin debt that is unpayable on our part, right? We can't pay back the debt that we owe to God because of our sin. But we have the ability uh, to show and extend mercy to other people. God's asking us that question today from verse 33. Should not you have mercy on your fellow servants as I have had mercy on you? This morning I ask you, where's your heart? Where's your heart on the matter of forgiving other people? The second point that I want to show you this morning is this. That forgiven people forgive people by living out the will of Jesus. So forgiven people forgive people by living out the will of Jesus. Now let's turn a few chapters earlier still in the book of Matthew where Jesus is teaching his disciples about forgiveness by teaching them about prayer and giving them a model to follow. So in in Matthew uh, chapter 6, if we turn over there, in Matthew chapter 6 beginning in verse 9, we see this, that Jesus uh, starts out by uh, saying, pray then like this. It says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, notice first that Jesus shows uh, them where to petition, where to call out. We're to call out to God, we're to, to hallow His name. You know, showing Him that we're recognizing Him as a, a, the authority in our life. We're recognizing that only we're proclaiming His name as the authority in our life. And that is why then as we begin this prayer that it shows this. That, we, that our desire in verse 10 is that His kingdom come, right? His will be done. 
If we remember back in, in, eight, in Matthew 18, Jesus started out the parable by saying, this is what the, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like. Well, here he's saying it again, that your kingdom come. He's describing what God's kingdom is like. So it is a place where God's will is done. And so in our prayers to God, we're asking Him as, as our authority that, that we, His will be done in our lives here on earth just as it is in heaven. And so Jesus, He continues this prayer. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Right? We're asking God for our basic needs. But then here is where I want to focus in. Look at, listen to verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So Jesus shows us how daily we're called to confess our sins to God, how daily we're to, to go to Him and confess our sins. And in the same way, every day we're supposed to forgive those who have sinned against us. You see, it, it's as if the two are linked, the way we receive forgiveness from God and the way we're, we extend or give forgiveness to others. So then the prayer ends in verse 13 with this. It says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So it ends with us asking God for help in, in our spiritual battles, the things that we face each day. And, and it shows us that we rely on God not only for our, our daily needs, but we rely on God for forgiveness. And we rely on God for spiritual victory. But notice this, the prayer ends, and then Jesus gives further explanation um, about what forgiveness looks like. He continues still in, in Matthew 6, verse 14. He says this, For if you forgive others uh, their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And then he says it in the other way. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your, your Father forgive your trespasses. You see, our willingness to forgive others is directly tied to our ability to receive forgiveness from God. Those who will not forgive cannot expect to receive forgiveness from God. Um, if we've truly experienced God's forgiveness, then His Word describes to us that, that we have a readiness in our hearts, a willingness in our own hearts to forgive others. See, God doesn't make forgiveness optional. You know, I think when we, when we first hear this, um, I don't think that we want to recognize that our, our own forgiveness as believers is tied to the way that we forgive other people, right? We really just want to focus on um, our good God, our loving God, our kind God who forgives us uh, for anything that we've done when we confess our sins, right? I, I said that last week in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But here's what um, a few verses right before that said. In 1 John 1, 5 and 6, it says this. This is the message that we have heard from Him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. And if we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not practice the truth. So let's think about this. Let's bring a couple of things together. We know that God is light, right? He's truth. He represents truth. There's no darkness. There's no sin in Him. And as a, a Christ follower, um, a person that's surrendered my life to His Lordship, um, that, that we, we live, that His life is lived through us, through our belief in His Son, Jesus, right? And, and this uh, scripture describes us as having fellowship with Him. And we want to live then like Jesus lives His life, Right? And we want to be a beacon of truth just like Jesus is a source of truth. But if I'm unwilling to forgive others, it doesn't seem like I'm living in that truth where I've received forgiveness of God and I extend that forgiveness to other people. See, again, it just reflects that we have a heart issue if we're unwilling to forgive other people. See, to be a Christian then is this. It's to, to live like a Christian. It's to serve like a Christ follower. Uh, to love like a Christian, to forgive like Jesus forgave others. So I'm 42 years old, and I grew up really as a child in the 80s and the 90s, right? And so I had um, uh, the ability to, to witness the greatest NBA basketball player of all time, Michael Jordan, right? Six-time NBA champion, uh, Michael Jordan. And during... Um, his stint of being the greatest basketball player of all time, there was a commercial made. Um, he was in numerous commercials. You might have remembered one that Gatorade did, and the slogan was this, 
I want to be like Mike, right? You remember that commercial and he ran around different neighborhoods and played basketball and had all these people following him. And the point is this, that every kid wanted to play basketball like Michael Jordan, right? Every kid wanted to be able to dribble like Michael Jordan, to dunk like Michael Jordan, to play defense like Michael Jordan, to shoot like Michael Jordan, and most importantly, to dunk like Michael Jordan, right? And so, you know, the, the point is this. Why? When it, when it came to basketball, we wanted to be like MJ, right? We wanted to be like Michael Jordan. That's why that commercial was that. I want to be like Mike. But if we think about that as a Christ follower, I want my life to be like Jesus. I want to love like Jesus loved. I want to forgive like Jesus forgave. And so as Jesus' disciples, as his Christ followers, as Christians, I want to be like Jesus. You know, don't we want to live out the willingness to be able to forgive other people in the same way that we have received an unpayable debt to our Heavenly Father? See, Paul taught the church in Ephesus to forgive. Right? Listen to Ephesians 4.32. He says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Paul taught the church in Colossae to forgive. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, he says this, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. There's our heart, right? Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. See, just like the church in Ephesus, just like the church in Colossae, we're the, the church in Manchester, and God's called us to be a people who are forgiving toward those who have sinned against us. My third point this morning is this, that forgiven people forgive people to show the love of Jesus. So forgiven people forgive people to show the love of Jesus. You see, your example of forgiveness and love might be the only example that another person might see. I want to share with you a story. A few years ago, Matthew West wrote a song called Forgiveness. And that song was based on a true life story that had been emailed to him by a woman by the name of Renee. And Renee sent him this email and explained to him that um, her daughter Megan uh, was 20 years old at the time and, and was driving home from the beach with a friend named Lisa. And as they were driving home from the beach, there was a, a man named Eric. Eric was only 24 at the time, and Eric um, was, uh, they were hit by Eric. He was a drunk driver, and, and both girls were killed in this just horrific car accident. You can imagine um, the type of pain that their families experienced, the type of heartache that they experienced by losing these two girls. See, and at his trial, Eric was then sentenced to 22 years in, in state prison in Florida. And uh, Renee, she describes beginning a new mission in her life. She began traveling around speaking out against drunk driving and, and speaking of the importance of not doing that, all because of um, her daughter's death. It just changed the, the path of her life. And so, um, but after a few years of that, she recognized like she just felt like something was missing, Right? And she realized she had never really forgiven Eric. And so she made it a point to go to the prison. She visited him there in the prison and just told him, she said, I just want you to know that, that I have forgiven you. And she began to, to tell him that uh, not only about the, how she forgave him, but about the ultimate forgiveness that we can receive from Jesus Christ. And a short time later, she had the opportunity to lead Eric to Christ. He gave his life to Jesus because of the example of Renee's forgiveness toward him. In fact, we, we find out that all 11 people and their families all individually went in and forgave Eric of the, of the pain that he had caused them, right? But the story doesn't end there. In fact, the story goes on. We find out that um, as their friendship continued between Eric and Renee and their families, um, that they describe Eric as almost becoming a part of their family, right? That would seem difficult, but they describe him as almost being a part of their family. And while he was still in prison, uh, Renee worked it out with uh, the prison guards that he would be able to go and speak with her 
And so you can see there in the pictures, he would have his orange jumpsuit on. He would still be in his handcuffs. He would be escorted by prison guards. And they would, uh, he would be allowed to speak on the mistake, the terrible mistake that he had made that took the lives of these two young girls. Didn't end there, though. Renee and uh, the, the two families begin to submit letters uh, to the state on Eric's behalf, pleading that his sentence be reduced. An almost uh, you know, unprecedented case, they reduced his sentence from 22 years in prison to 11 years in prison. And so, once Eric was released from prison, then he began to, to travel around with Renee and began to speak on behalf along with her. And here's the cool thing, they didn't just speak about not drinking and driving, they began to speak not only about that, the dangers of drinking and driving, but also about forgiveness and about salvation. You know, to me, that's what a picture of forgiveness looks like. You see, we as Christians represent the love and the mercy and grace to other people that God has extended to us. You see, our world, it, it promotes revenge, right? Our, our world promotes bitterness. Our world promotes uh, frustration. Our world promotes anger. Our world around us promotes holding grudges and retaliation and, and bitterness and stubbornness and hate. But our God tells us this, our God tells us to forgive those who have hurt us. The pain isn't any less real, the hurt isn't any less real, but forgiveness begins the healing process, and it points people to Jesus. See, you may be the only voice of forgiveness and love that they may ever hear. I love the way that Peter describes our responsibility. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 2, he says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness and into the marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You see, we are, we are God's chosen people, and we get to tell others, we get to proclaim of His excellencies to other people and share with them about the mercy, about the grace, about the forgiveness in Jesus Christ that we have received. We get to tell them about what that forgiveness looks like. And what would it be like for you to Forgive a friend, forgive a neighbor, forgive a family member, maybe forgive a coworker, and it be the only example of Jesus that they see, the only story of love that they see. They're used to hearing about retaliation and revenge, but instead they hear about grace and mercy and the forgiveness of Christ. Let me ask you this morning, who in your life do you need to forgive? Who in your life have you maybe been holding a grudge against? Who in your life have you just not been able to say, I forgive you and I love you? Who can you have compassion on and show pity toward and it be a reflection of your heart that has a readiness to forgive? Who's God calling you to forgive this morning? you might be the only example of love and forgiveness that they get to see. See, in this series, I've described to us, scripturally, what forgiveness from God looks like, the gospel message, and how we can forgive ourselves. And sometimes we have to begin that healing process in ourselves, and then that enables us to begin to live out forgiveness toward other people and be able to extend forgiveness toward other people, all because of the grace that God has extended to us. As we close this morning in prayer, I just want to ask you, who do you need to forgive this morning to show a, a heart of love and grace and forgiveness of God? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your forgiveness and your grace and your kindness that you've showed us. God, I pray today that you just implore on our hearts the desire to, to show that same forgiveness 
that you've shown to us, for a debt that we couldn't pay, that we would extend that to other people. God, we'd allow uh, the, the love and the forgiveness of Christ to be demonstrated in our life as we proclaim your excellencies. God, we thank you for your love. And I pray this morning for somebody who needs to forgive somebody else of a past sin. God, it's in your sons and we pray. Amen. This morning, I invite you to, to receive that forgiveness of God. The gospel says that you can be forgiven of that unpayable debt. You can't do anything about it on your own. You could never work hard enough to pay that debt off. But God, by His grace and mercy, gives you forgiveness. If you would turn and repent to Him, confess Him as Lord. Maybe this morning there's somebody in here that, that needs to just forgive somebody else. Maybe you've been holding a grudge for a long time. I've heard of, of family members who haven't spoken in years because they will not forgive one another. And that doesn't describe the heart of readiness of forgiveness that we're called as Christ followers to have. Maybe this morning you just want to be a part of our church family. Maybe you've never been baptized. You want to come and, and follow in baptism. Whatever it is, I'm going to ask this morning that you would respond faithfully to God's call in your life. Let's stand and sing. Maybe it might take a little bit of explanation for this song. This is a very poetic way of saying what Tim has just said, uh, that uh, we should be more heart and less attack. This is uh, one of Becky's hit songs, so I uh, hope you enjoyed this. Feel free to sing along if you can, if you can keep up. <laughs> so here we go.
stuck my head out I caught the raindrops I drank the water I felt my veins blood I nearly sanctified I nearly broken I'm down the river seated. Thanks for being here to worship with us this morning, and uh, we hope that you will stay and be a part of connection groups here in this next hour. If you don't know where to go, you can stop at the Welcome Center, and we'll get you connected to a group. Uh, it's a big day today. It's, it's Halloween, and we're having our trunk or treat, so uh, thank you for all the volunteers that are uh, setting up and, and bringing their cars to be trunks, and everybody who's donated candy and all the other roles that we have uh, to make this happen tonight. So looking forward to a good evening, connect with the community. So hopefully we'll be there for that. There's several things coming up this week. Uh, They're coming up next weekend. So make note of, of any uh, signups or communication you need to make to be sure you can be a part of these things. Uh, upward basketball evaluation tomorrow night. There's a parents night out on Friday. There's a parent child commissioning and lunching uh, next Sunday and the following Sunday. Uh, you can read about that. Uh, so uh, be aware of what's going on. You can check out the bulletin. Check out the newsletter. It'll be uh, published uh, later in the week as well. Uh, but lots of great things happening here at First Baptist. So we're glad you're here. Uh, thank you for being here. If you're a guest, to remind you about the guest cards. You can take those uh, to the Welcome Center as we uh, wrap up here. Uh, and also, uh, don't forget to continue to worship through your giving. And the boxes there in the back as you leave, you can drop those in there. So let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Thanking God for being here with us. God, thank you for your presence here among us. Uh, God, we just uh, uh, value the fact that your spirit is alive uh, and in these places and that uh, you love us so much and have forgiven us, God. So uh, let that forgiveness be an inspiration to us as we've uh, gathered to sing and praise you as we've gathered to hear your word and be reminded of your love and forgiveness for us, God. So help us go out into the places that we go uh, with, with a heart willing to forgive. Uh, just impress upon our hearts and minds uh, the, the people and the, maybe that person that we just need to offer forgiveness to and, and begin to work that in our own lives so that we can share your love with, with those around us, God. So uh, again, thank you for who you are. Thank you for Jesus and loving us. It's his name we pray. Amen. Oh.